Thank you, Lori. I'd like to welcome you to Forbes of Elkhorn Baptist Church. I'd like to give a very special welcome if you are a first-time guest. We welcome you here, and we pray that you have felt the presence of the Lord as soon as you drove onto the parking lot today. I'd also like to welcome those of you who are watching with us online. Thank you for worshiping with us on this day, wherever you may be. And it is our prayer, if you are a first-time guest, that on the way out, you'll stop by the Welcome Center and pick up a gift, especially for you. It's a small way of saying how much we appreciate you being here today. And we hope that you will come to worship with us again real soon. But thank you again for being here. Thank you for allowing the Spirit of the Lord to be in this place. And I love the song that Lori just played. We're coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. That's why we're here, to worship the one true living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming. At this time, I'm going to invite you to stand. Tell someone you're glad to see them here today.
Jesus is waiting. God so loved the
Thank you. You may be seated. Would you direct your attention to the screens at this time? GriefShare is a support group ministry that helps people heal from the pain of grief. The GriefShare video seminars, workbook exercises, and small group discussions give participants encouragement, useful advice, and hope. The GriefShare videos are, are excellent. The video strengthened me. It's a freeing kind of thing to be able to talk about your loss. My workbook helped me to unravel the feelings I was going through. If you know people in your church or community who are grieving the death of a loved one, tell them about Grief Share. Or visit a Grief Share group yourself to heal from the pain of your grief. There was such a void until I got into Grief Share. I never really healed down deep until I came to Grief Share. Grief Share brought me out of my sadness. Begin your journey from mourning to joy at Grief Share. Tomorrow night in our church library, a 13-week study with Grief Share will begin. And if you have never participated and you have suffered loss in your life, I encourage you to go. It's 6 o'clock back in the church library, 6 to 8. Not only will you be comforted, but you will be an encouragement to others who have suffered loss. So I invite you to be a part of this very important ministry in the life of this church, Grief Share, 6 to 8, beginning tomorrow night in the church library. But every week, I'm so thankful that there's an opportunity for us to come to this altar and pray. And we all need prayer. Every There's not a person here today that does not need prayer. We all need prayer. And maybe you're watching today and you're going through a difficult season in your life And I ask if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to come join me at this altar as we lift up our prayers together. Won't you come pray with me at this time? May we pray together. Oh God, how great it is to be in your house to worship with other believers and to know for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for that promise and the hope we have in Christ. God, I would be willing to say there are folks in this place and people watching that are in need of hope. Lord, I pray that wherever we are in our walk with you, wherever we are in relationships, wherever we are, God, in our workplaces, wherever we are, God, in our commitment to you, that you would strengthen us and encourage us to keep the faith and to keep our hope and trust in you. Lord, I pray for so many that are hurting, folks that are grieving in our church family. And Father, we just ask that you would comfort them. Father, I pray a special prayer for Trudy Roberts today as her daughter, Jonna, is uh, on life support. And, And Lord, 
we just pray that it would be a peaceful transition when she leaves this old world to her eternal reward. Comfort this family, God, I pray. And Lord, I pray for others that are in need of a divine touch of healing, Father, for Rick Bailey's brother, Jamie. And the list is long, Lord, of people that need a miracle, God. And we pray that your will would be done. Father, we pray for the many families that have been affected by COVID and, and Father, other sickness. And we pray for healing. We pray that this pandemic would end. And Father, that people would feel comfortable to come to church and to be with others. Father, keep each and every one safe. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit might continue to bless this church and all the churches that preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would keep in step with your spirit, never running ahead nor lagging behind, but keeping in perfect step with you. Father, may it be our vision that folks would have an encounter with you, that we would equip the believer and we would evangelize the lost by sharing God what you've done for us. And we just ask now, God, that through your Holy Spirit, you would continue to move in this service. Father, I pray that you would be with Ellie as she sings in a moment. And Father, I pray that you would speak through your word and through your servant. And Father, that our hearts would be drawn closer to you. So, Father, we love you, we praise you, and if there are folks here that have never placed their faith in you or someone watching, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for some, for many, for it is in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful. Oh, it's not only Ellie, but Olivia Parrot is going to be singing too. So we pray for you too, Olivia. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, that was a pleasant surprise. So grateful for these two young ladies that will be coming to share with us after the reading of God's Word. We'll be reading one verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Feet. 
Thank you, girls, and Carrie, for leading us so beautifully. What a beautiful song. And thank you again for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I always like to share a little humor. Maybe you heard the story about the elderly man who thought that his wife was getting hard of hearing, so he got behind her about 20 feet, and he said, Can you hear me, sweetheart? No reply. So then he got a little bit closer about... Uh, 10 feet behind her, and he said, can you hear me, sweetheart? No response. Got about five feet behind her. Did the same thing. No response. And then he got a few inches behind her, and he said, can you hear me now, honey? And she said, 
For the fourth time, yes. <laughs> we can relate to that. Last week, we began a sermon, or not began, but continued a sermon series called Rebuilding God's Way. And we have been looking at some principles to help us rebuild God's church through a very devastating and ongoing time in the life of our world through this crazy pandemic. If you were here last week or if you watched, we talked about the importance of us having godly character for our Christian leaders and also as followers of Christ. We are to have godly character. You know, and I thought about as I was watching a certain ball game last night that there are certain teams that are considered blue bloods. When you think of blue bloods, you think about teams that have had a tradition of winning. You think about teams that have had dominance and prominence. You think about teams that have played with excellence. When you think about a Kentucky, when you think about a Kansas, when you think about a Duke, when you think about, when you think about North Carolina or when you think about UCLA, I mean, these are considered blue bloods. These are teams that have had a tradition of winning and some would say have played the game with excellence. In our passage of Scripture today, we see Paul, who's writing uh, much like a coach would be giving a speech before the team runs out onto the floor. If you will, he's trying to inspire them and to encourage them to live with excellence even though the enemy is strong and the opponent is great. In our passage of Scripture, these verses, or this verse that we shared today, was more like a benediction or a farewell speech. Again, words to live by. Do you remember what was going on at the church at Corinth? They had been infiltrated by false teachers who were actually trying to discredit Paul. They were trying to call his integrity into question. They were trying to... Uh, say that his apostleship could not be trusted. Paul referred to them as agents of Satan, masquerading as messengers of righteousness. And what Paul did was he tried to assure the church at Corinth that you could trust him, that he was honorable. He was the man that he said he was and he claimed to be. He was saying, look, I have one mission, and that is to point you to the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And Paul was doing a beautiful job of encouraging these Christians at Corinth to live out in their lives the love of Jesus Christ in a holy and an excellent way. And I pray today, if we want to rebuild this church, we have to rebuild it with excellence. With excellence. And what do I mean by that? Well, Paul said in the very first part of verse 11, he said, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. We must rebuild by rejoicing. Now, understand that Paul 
had experienced a lot in his life. In spite of his pain, in spite of his aches, in spite of his beatings, in spite of his shipwrecks, in spite of his frequent deprivations, in spite now of the lies that were being shared about him, he still could say, rejoice. Now, how could he say rejoice even with everything that was going on? How can we rejoice today when we look at everything that's going on in the world and many times the the slanders and the lies that are being told? How, How can we rise above and live with excellence? Well, Remember when Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote the letter to the Philippian church? He was in prison because of his faith and his message in Christ. And as he was in prison, even though he was not in that Mamertine dungeon when he wrote 2 Timothy, but he was under house arrest in Rome. But remember what he said in verse 4 of, of Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And even though his circumstance was less than its best, he could still rejoice. That's much like I think about when, uh, when I think about what James said in James chapter 1, 2 and 3. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So it's hard for us to consider it joy when we're going through challenging times or or when we're experiencing attack from the opponent or the enemy. It's hard to say rejoice, but yet we can because of what Christ has done for you and me. We know if God is for us, who can be against us? I love the story that Pastor Bob Russell, former pastor of Southeast Christian shared in his book, When God Builds a Church, about one of his associates who was new on staff and he was not uh, too experienced at doing baptisms. He said one Sunday they were doing a baptismal service and and he was baptizing a a folk, a a person that uh, he got his wedding speech mixed up with his baptism speech. And instead of saying... Now I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. He said, now I pronounce you. And he paused for a minute. He said, baptized. (laughs) And he said, he got so embarrassed and he was so nervous about it. And he said, after that, he didn't do hardly any baptisms, but he did start doing a lot of weddings from that time on. But the fact is, we are to persevere and to find joy even when our circumstance seems grim or when our situation seems hopeless. And I think about what David said in a verse we shared a couple of Sundays ago in Psalm 122.1. He said, I rejoice when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many of you all get excited about coming to God's house? About four or five of you, I think. We are to rejoice and not look at coming to church as a burden, but as a blessing. Not as something that that I've got to do, it's something that I want to do. And we should come in again with expectation that the Spirit of God 
is going to do something great in our midst. And I could go on and on about different ones of you who step up on a weekly basis to volunteer. I mean, I, I could start, I hate to name names because so many of you make what we do here at this church a reality and a possibility. But I am going to mention one name because this is something, or two, but this is something that they told me that they thought we ought to do every Sunday. Someone said to me, Todd, every Sunday should be Easter Sunday. What do we mean by that? We ought to come into God's house every Sunday with the joy, with the excitement that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a resurrected Lord. And we need to give our best every Sunday as though it were Easter Sunday. And I'm grateful my friend Melanie Benassi and her husband Carmelo try to help do that. Whether it's getting greeters for the door. And all of you all who greet at doors, who teach Sunday school, who pick up donuts, who serve food on a Wednesday night, who go the extra mile and making every Sunday Easter or every time we gather Easter. That's so important. And that's playing, if you will, with excellence, serving with excellence. Bob Russell shared a, a slogan uh, that they had at Southeast. If his name is attached to it, it is worthy of our best. If his name is attached to it, it's worthy of our best. And that's something we ought to do, to give our, put our best foot forward every time we gather. That's, that's rejoicing. But then secondly, we must have restoration. If you would read on in verse 11, it's finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Now, I like what a couple of other translations say. One translation says, aim for perfection. Another one says, be complete. Now, when we say aim for, for perfection, Jesus Christ is the only perfect person who ever lived. And we are to keep our eyes upon Jesus because he is perfect. Look, we're never going to uh, accomplish sinless perfection on this side of eternity. But yet we strive each day to be more like Jesus Christ who was and who is perfect. And so my challenge to you that when it says to strive for full restoration, yes, it means that we should have a mending of ways, a repairing of relationships. And, and I like to think that we are becoming mature and complete. That's what James said in James 1 verse 4, that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be uh, mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so the way we do that is by restoring fully our relationship, mending broken fences, mending broken relationships, having restoration as we follow the Spirit's lead. And another way is by telling others about Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was calling his first disciples in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 41 and 42, uh, when, when Andrew uh, 
went to find his brother Simon, and he said, we have found the Messiah. And it said, and he brought him to Jesus. Then look down at verse 46 of John chapter 1. When Nathanael uh, had gone to share with, or Philip had gone to share with Nathanael that, that they had found Jesus of Nazareth. And remember what he said in verse 46? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Come and see, Philip said. Like, come and see for yourself. Well, that's inviting people to come have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought it was interesting, as I read in that book, When God Builds a Church, that 90% of the members in a survey they did several years ago at Southeast and Louisville, which is a mega church. At that time, they were running over 14,000, a lot more than that now. But at that time, they surveyed that 90% of their members had invited someone to come to church with them that past year. 90% had invited someone to come to church with them. But how about you? Have you invited someone to come to worship with you? Then they went on to say that over half of their membership had been invited to that church to begin with by someone else. Now, people may not come if I ask them or if this person had, but they might come if you invite them. If you let them know, and you know why I think that they're excited about telling someone to come to church with them? Because they have confidence that when they come, the grounds, the nursery, the greeting, the singing, the preaching will be done with excellence. So they're not ashamed or embarrassed to invite people to come to church. They feel confident that the joke's going to be hilarious. They feel confident that when people come, they're going to feel the presence of the Lord and they're going to have an encounter with the living, risen Lord. So in this passage of Scripture, again, Paul is calling for excellence when he shares these words that we must rejoice and then we must have restoration. But then lastly, we have a responsibility. If you would read on in verse 11, he says, encourage one another, be of the same mind, live in peace, and the God of peace and love will be with you. Encourage one another. Rick Warren said in his book years ago, Purpose Driven Life, that there are over 50 times in the New Testament where we are commanded to do something for one another or each other. Over 50 times we are commanded to do. He said, it's not our responsibility, or we don't have to be responsible for everyone in the body of Christ, but we have to be responsible to everyone in the body of Christ. We are to give our best in serving others. And how do we do that? By encouraging each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, Paul said, Therefore, encourage one another just as, in fact, you are doing, and build each other up. Are you encouraging people or discouraging? Are you building up or tearing down? Are you trying to bring out the best or trying to bring out the worst? Are are you building? We talked about this past Wednesday night out of Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth 
except for only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit or it may meet their need and benefit those who are listening. We are to build up one another. But not are we only to build up, but if you read in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says to live in peace with each other. Are you living in peace with each other? You know what the devil is? He's a divider. His name, Diablos, means divider. The devil wants to divide. The devil wants to bring grief in your life. The devil wants to bring problem. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give him that luxury. I don't want to give him that glory. I don't want to give him that satisfaction. I don't want him to be pleased that he has been a divider in our lives or in our families or, heaven forbid, in our church. But not only are we to live in peace with one another, but Paul said in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Rick Warren would go on to say, if you are part of the family of God, you have a responsibility to protect the unity where you fellowship. Did you hear that? If you are a part of the family of God, you have a responsibility to protect the unity of the fellowship where you are. And so that's one thing that we've tried to do at this church for years is to protect the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And we all have accountability that we must say, God, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean we're always going to agree. We can agree to disagree and still love each other. There would be a different opinion on every pew if we ask you a question. There would be a different opinion. But you know what? We love each other knowing that we're imperfect, but he is perfect. That's why we keep our eyes upon Jesus. And you know what? He wants us to give our best. You know, when I used to play basketball, I mean, I still try, but it's, it's just a... Just a faint memory of what I used to be, but I still love to fellowship with guys and get exercise, but only knew one way to play, and it was giving it all I had. It was to give it my, to give it my best, and my dad taught me that. My parents taught me that. If you're going to go out there, you make sure my old coach, Gary Moore, you say when you cross those lines, you just, you become a different person. You just Go all out. Give it your best. Play with excellence. And that's what we've tried to do at this church. We've tried to give our very best to the Lord. And I think about what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, 22 and 23. He said, whatever you do, do it as you're working for the Lord, not for people. Because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. And guess what? Everything we do is for the glory of God. It's not for the glory of Todd or for the glory of anybody else. We worship and serve our risen Lord. And that's why we are to give our best and do everything we do all for the glory of God. Now, I've shared this with many of you all before, but before this church was ever, and I'm not going to tell you, I might share this particular passage next Sunday, but 
before this church was completed, we anointed this church with prayer and scripture all over the concrete floors, all over wooden beams, two by fours. Scripture is written all over it in prayers, all over this place, before carpet was laid, before wood was placed on the concrete of air. Scripture anointed this place. And I like to think that Scripture has helped protect the unity of this church and to protect the Spirit of God in this place. But not only did we do it here, we did it in all the areas of the church. And when we built the cross center next door, we did it all over that. We did it in the children's wing. We did it in the music suite. We did it in the youth room. We did it in the gym. We wrote scriptures all over the walls and all over the floors. Now, please don't do it now. We have paint and drywall on, so... If you're like, I wasn't here then. Can I do one now? And I go in the bathroom. And, <laughs> and I'll share what I wrote right here, my wife and I, last uh, next week. But you know what I felt led to write on the floor over on the gym floor? It was 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know what? That's given our best. He deserves our best. And I knew in that gym there was going to be people eating and drinking when we have a big meal or, or a women's conference or people playing basketball or pickleball or flag football or soccer or whatever it would be. So whether you eat or whatever you do in this place, do it all for the glory of God. What about you? Are you living your life in such a way that you're doing it all for the glory of God? And you know what? I, when I ran out of that locker room and my coach gave me a fiery speech running down on the court, I wanted to give my best. I wanted to help our team win. And in order for us to rebuild God's church, all of us are going to have to give our best so that we will see victories continue to be won for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus? If you're going to be on this team, know that the winning team is on Jesus' team. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, what have you been waiting for? You're saying, well, I, I got some things I got to work out. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not quite ready. We're never going to be. You're never going to be ready. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because God has the power to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Come to him today just like you are. Maybe you're a Christian and you've grown content to uh, stay where you are and you've been complacent and you're like, well, I'm going to let all those other people serve or greet or do this or that. I just want to ride on the bench. Don't you want to get in the game? Don't you want to, to be a PT player? Don't you want to be someone that makes a difference for the kingdom of God? We'd love to have you to be a part of what God is doing here. Maybe you've been visiting. You've been looking for a church home, not a perfect church but an imperfect church that's pointing people to a perfect God. We'd love to have you. But it would be a tragedy if someone left today without doing what you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you to do. 
I can't tell you how many times people have left digging their nails into the back of a pew or upstairs in the back of a chair rail and then they felt the Holy Spirit convicting and then they, I'll do it next time and that next time doesn't come. And then the more you resist him, the easier it gets. You say, well, I'm not so sensitive to it. I'm insensitive now to the move of God's Spirit. I pray today if the Holy Spirit is prompting you that you would come and you would allow him to radically transform your heart and life. Let's give him our best. He deserves it as we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that if there are people that have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they would pray a simple prayer in their own words to begin this journey. Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray someone can pray that today and mean it for the first time. Lord, maybe there's someone else that they're a Christian, have been, but they've been out of the game. They've grown complacent and insensitive to your spirit. Oh, God, may today they come back to you and, and make a vow of commitment. I'm going to give you my best because you gave me your best when you sent Jesus into the world to die for me. Lord, maybe there are folks that have been visiting this church or some even watching on uh, YouTube or live stream or Facebook Live and, and they want to be a part of this church family, helping us to rebuild in an excellent way. Oh God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage this morning to do what you would have us to do and not worry about what anyone else thinks because whatever we do, we want it to be for your glory. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand at this time. And we're going to sing a hymn of commitment. If you would like to come and give your life to Christ or join a church family or renew your commitment to Christ, it would be my privilege to pray with you. Won't you come as we sing?
For a moment, I am uh, so grateful today to have this couple that's been faithfully coming to Sunday school and to worship and Wednesday night prayer meetings faithfully. Les and Brenda Beavers, would you all come up here beside me for a moment? I'm so grateful that the Beavers have been coming and today want to unite with this family of faith. As I shared with you, when you came up, we welcome you with open arms. I know that you all have prayed over and taken this uh, move very seriously, and we welcome you. And I know you want to pledge your love, prayers, and support to Les and Brenda by letting it be known by saying amen. Amen and applause. We welcome you. God bless you. We welcome you all. If you don't mind, be seated for just a moment. And at the end of the service, if you all would join me out in the foyer so people could just give you a warm welcome to this family of faith, I have a couple of important announcements. Number one, this is the fifth Sunday, which is Benevolent Sunday. Maybe you've come prepared, and if you have not, you can certainly do it later in the week. But we take up an offering on the fifth Sunday to help those folks that maybe are going through a difficult time financially, both in this church and outside these walls. And I wish I could give you more detail, but this week we're also going to be taking from this offering to help a family that lost their home to a fire this past week. And uh, they have two young children. And uh, if you can, this whatever you give to benevolence, uh, don't have an exact amount yet, but we'll be taking a portion to not only help other needs, but to help this family who uh, lost their home and everything this past week. And if you can't today, then again, later in the week would be fine. Then I invite you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to have a, a deacon ordination service. I'm so grateful tonight that we're ordaining four wonderful deacons into this deacon body as well as installing seven. And uh, just so you all don't get nervous, we're not going to do our traditional in-your-face laying on of hands for each candidate because we didn't think people wanted you to be that up close and personal. But we'll be making a uh, circle around these candidates and symbolically extending our touch to touch over them and ask God to anoint them. But 
I hope you will come tonight to support these who are being ordained and those being installed. It's a great group. But I thank you so much for being here and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I hope that you would have a wonderful afternoon. You will come back tonight or join us Wednesday at 5 o'clock for supper downstairs or 6 o'clock in this place. But I'm going to invite you to stand at this time. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. Thanks to Jay Jacobs for doing a beautiful job leading in Bill's absence. Um, if all goes well, I think Bill's planning to be back this Wednesday night and back next Sunday. So we'll be grateful for that. But Jay, thank you. And if you would lead us in a song. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he you for the great things you have done, for the great things you're doing, and for the great things that are still ahead. May we live our lives in such a way to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen.